Man's best friend is a dog. This one is needed even more on an isolated farm. Keep out and question why you might be getting something cheap. Hi and welcome to the Dark Christmas Tales Advent Calendar. This tale is called Holly, written by Angela Blythe and read by the author. Holly never liked the man who owned the farm next to ours, which was unusual. She was a loving dog and went to most people, but not him. He was named Philip, and Holly crept under the kitchen table with her ears down when he came over. I trusted her instincts. They were usually better than mine. Holly and I lived in the farmhouse. The only other inhabitants on the whole of the farm were an awful lot of sheep. When he came over to give me first refusal on the fifteen acres next to mine, I was happy to bite his hand off. He told me he was retiring to the seaside. His property was being converted into a camping site. Two of the fields were for tents, caravanning and something called glamping. I didn't know what that was, but it sounded like an infection. His old farmhouse was being converted into a toilet and shower block with an office. He hoped that this would give him an income well into his old age. He offered the spare land to me, as it seemed the most sensible. He was letting it go very cheaply, and I was more than happy to buy it. I thought you wouldn't want strangers moving in right next to you, he explained. Plus it's perfect land for grazing. It was, and we did a deal. Philip came over three weeks later with the paperwork. During those weeks... My head had been full of ideas. I decided that I would build a new barn on there, as the sheep would be considerably further away from my current one. During lambing season, it could get freezing here, and I sometimes lost some. That was months away, but if I got a wriggle on, I could just about manage to get the barn up over the winter months. Philip came over and made me check that everything was correct. He signed both copies. I signed and dated my parts. We each took our copy and shook hands. Are you adding to your flock now? Off to the sheep market? Philip asked. Not yet. I'm going to put a barn up there first, I said. No, you can't, Philip blurted out. Why? I asked. I was annoyed that he should still think that he could tell me what to do with the land that used to be his but was now mine. He seemed to realise that and began to backtrack a little. Um, I don't know if it's suitable, you know, for the foundations, Philip said. I could tell he was lying. What wasn't he telling me? For good or for bad, it was mine now, whatever the problem. Holly watched from under the table. Philip curled. OK, it was time that Philip went. Our business was concluded and I didn't need a court case on my hands when Holly decided that he had outstayed his welcome. That's my issue and my business, I said. Philip took the hint, making a quick getaway. I never laid eyes on him again. Within ten minutes of him going, I set off up to my new land with Holly. It was crisp and fresh. The smell of autumn was in the air. Leaves, damp and rotting apples. I looked over the fields. There was a fence with some trees behind it, 
and as the trees would provide some natural shelter, this was going to be an ideal place to put the barn. But the campsite being on the other side of the fence, the barn also might prevent campers worrying my sheep. Tomorrow I would bring a digger up here and begin to take off the top layer. I was up before 5am that day. I got dressed, ate a hearty but quick breakfast and took some sandwiches and a flask. I didn't intend to stop work until I dropped. It wasn't raining or snowing. Who knew how long that would last? I had to use good days effectively. It was the 30th of November. The weather would get worse before it got better, I could guarantee that. I dug deep and wider than I wanted to. I sang inside the digger as I did it, Holly sitting on the seat beside me. When it was lunchtime, I stretched my legs and surveyed my work. Sitting down all morning was surprisingly quite tiring. Holly nosed around in the pile of earth I had made. Then she sniffed across the flat brown mass of soil, which would be excellent for a barn. This was precisely the right type of ground for construction. I knew Philip was lying. I was surprised that he hadn't tried to sell this land for houses. I suppose he thought I would have objected, and he was right. I went to the digger to pour myself a cup of coffee out of the flask when Holly came to find me. She'd found a brown stick to play with. I took it out of her mouth and threw it. We played like that for a while. I wasn't taking much notice, really. Then she sat on the grass with it and began to chew it. No, Holly, I don't want to visit the vets. Splinters, I shouted. She ignored me. I wandered over to take the stick off her. As usual, she let me take it. Good girl, I told her. I checked the stick for splinters. But it wasn't a stick. It was a bone. On one end, where it was clean, there were Holly's small, sharp teeth marks. Along the bone, however, there were other teeth marks, big ones. I looked over to the oblong of brown earth. Had she got this from there? Where did this come from, girl? I asked. I began walking over to the soil. Holly followed me. I tramped round in the clumps of earth. I couldn't see anything. I looked at the bone in my hands again. I couldn't work out where it was from. Definitely not a sheep. Behind me, I had noticed that Holly was digging again. By the time I heard her kicking the soil back, she had another one. This time, it was a round kind of bone, a bit like a joint. I took it off her straight away. When I rubbed the soil off this, I could see the teeth marks again, huge ones. This bone was darker. It was either from a different animal or had been buried for a longer time in the peaty soil. Holly went to find herself another, and she did, over and over again. I began to kick through the soil myself. They were everywhere. This was some kind of burial ground. Up to yet, there was nothing that I could identify as human. At least that was something. I hadn't got the stomach for the rest of the digging that afternoon. Finding a load of mystery chewed bones had sucked all the fun out of my new venture. It was a shock, yes, but I'd be back. I wasn't for five days because of the rain. 
The morning it eased off, I caught through the fence to my new land from my old property, and the sheep wandered in. Holly and I wandered up to the dog patch. The rain had washed the old bones clean. It had exposed new bones too. This was very unusual. I looked at the teeth marks. I couldn't think of what had made them. I picked up one of the bones and took it back to the house. I made a good strong cup of tea and fed Holly. I then picked up the phone to Don, one of my friends who also has a farm two counties away. I explained the situation. How big are the bones? Don asked. Pretty big, I replied. And how many would you say are there? Don queried. In the patch I've dug, a foot down, I estimate 500, I said. What? Do you think it was once a badger set? They're vicious. What are the teeth marks like? Don asked. Big, bigger than a badger's, I told Don. The line went quiet. I let Don think. Do you know what? I don't know what could do that. I'm sorry I can't be more help, Don said dismally. No, that's fine. I don't know either, but one of them is in my hands now, I said. Keep me in the loop, please. This is very interesting, Don said. The following day, up I went again. I dug for a while. Now I knew what I was looking for. I could see them tumble out of my digger bucket into the pile of soil. Each dig down found one. Holly was having lots of fun, and as she wasn't in any danger, I let her play with them. It rained for the next two days. The first dry day, I decided that I was going to chop down my Christmas tree, and I knew there were some good ones at the top of the field that I had been digging in, the opposite end. I took a chainsaw and a piece of rope to drag it back with. Holly followed. When we got close to the field, I could see the dead sheep. I rushed onto the new land. There were at least eight dead sheep. Three of them looked like the thing, the predator, tried to bury them. A little unsuccessfully, as pieces of their anatomy still stuck out. The heads, the legs, the whole front half. When I counted my sheep, I realised that actually fourteen were missing. They must have managed to bury the other six. I knew this was the same thing that had previously killed everything that I had found at the bottom of the field. These sheep were scattered about somewhat. still had no idea of what it was. It seemed to have only killed them on this land and not ventured into my old ground, even though the fence was now removed. Holly sniffed the sheep sadly. She then ran to the patch of soil at the end and began to dig for bones again. I walked back to the farmhouse, found my wheelbarrow and returned. I removed the sheep's carcasses, taking them back one by one to the old barn near the house. I'd have to burn these. The marks on the sheep had been made by the same beast. Now I had the shape of its mouth, long and wide, like a crocodile or small shark, but with big teeth, not little ones. What could it be? That night, I went on patrol up to the fields with Holly. At 10pm, all my sheep were safe. 
glowing woolly balls in the winter night. We went back to the farmhouse. When I returned at 7am, more devastation. The wheelbarrow was utilised once more. The creature had struck six times. I rang Don. He was astounded. Did you have any idea that this happened before we sold it to you? Don asked. Of course not. Besides that, Philip just grew wheat in there, I told him. It's just started. It's just started. Why do you think that is? Perhaps you disturbed the lair when you started digging. That is obviously where it's been burying its food, Don said. What should I do? I asked. Don whistled through his teeth. I'd seen him do it a hundred times and recognised the noise. Do you still have that old gun, the one you're not supposed to have? Don asked. Yes, I replied. Then you need to go on a vigil. State the place out tonight, you and Holly. You know it's not a person, not with that vibe pattern. So you're not likely to get in trouble, are you? Dead animals tell no tales, Don said. Yes, I'll do that, he said firmly. See what happens. Anyway, listen, I'm up near to your neck of the woods tomorrow. Can I come and have a snip around up there? Don asked. Of course, I said. I sorted out a chair, two hot water bottles, some blankets for Holly and me, and the old gun. I took a bottle of Jack Daniels. I need something to keep the nip out on a December night. We set off up there at nine. The air was freezing. I could see my breath. The frost in the night had given birth to patches of thick, white, freezing fog that hung in thick lumps throughout the fields. It was so silent. No owls, no snuffling sheep. They were cuddled against the hedges in small groups. I followed their lead, as I knew that they had spent far more nights outside in winter than me, and I put my chair and blankets by the hedge too. It did offer shelter. My back was definitely warmer than my front. I sat and waited. My ears began to hurt with the cold. Even with a hat, they were freezing. Holly wore a coat and had climbed onto my knee. We were glad of each other's warmth. The blankets were wrapped around us. The gun was at my feet. This was manageable for now. I didn't think either of us could sustain it all night, though. Now and again... We heard a sheep wander off and eat a bit of grass. Not a twig was broken, or frosty puddle breached. Holly heard it first. I couldn't hear anything, just the power cable slightly humming close by. Holly made a low whine, then a growl, tiny and half-hearted. I paid more attention, looking around the field, behind me, into the distance as far as I could with the fog. I felt a disturbance. I don't know how. Something had changed in the field. The sheep had got wind of it too and began to bleat a little. The fox was close to the hen house. I put Holly down on the floor, picked up my gun and strained my eyes. I looked towards the gap in the fence. To the left, to the right, nothing. Suddenly, there was a scream of a sheep twenty feet in front of me. I ran forward. The scream stopped. I rushed towards where I thought the noise had been, missing the actual place by a couple of paces to the right. 
I swivelled and found the dead you. A chunk had been taken out of her abdomen, right out of the centre where her teats were. The beast must have rolled her over to get to her soft parts. She was already dead. I was breathing loudly. It must be able to hear me. I still couldn't hear it. Holly was looking left and right too, stamping her feet somehow. There was another distressed sheep noise, fifty feet away, and Holly ran for it. Wait, girl, I shouted, but she didn't. Fifty feet. That was quite a distance to move silently without a sheepdog or me hearing them. Again we were too late. This one had both front legs taken. Behind us, ten feet away, came another cry. How was it doing this? There was no blood trail on the frosty earth from one to the next. This ewe was dead too. The throat had gone. Holly heard a small noise. I heard it the second time. A rustling. For an instant she looked at me. It had returned to the one we'd just left, who had no front legs. We both ran. The sound stopped with our running. We discovered that had been trying to bury the sheep. Still no signs of footprints or blood. No claw marks at the side of the sheep on the ground. I began to back away quietly. I held the gun up. I just knew it was returning to the one with no throat. Shh, I said to Holly, putting my fingers on my lips. She knew what this meant. I rolled my feet as I walked to where we'd just come from. Before I got there, I realised how it had been doing it. I looked beneath me. I had felt the tiniest vibration under my feet. It wasn't trying to bury them. It was trying to drag them under. The wounds had all come from beneath the sheep. The abdomen, the legs the throat. I could see the sheep now. It looked the same, the throat still pumping out blood into the soil. I looked downwards. It was underneath me. Before I could shoot, I felt a pain in my foot, then a release. I tried to get the gun underneath me, but I was pulled over onto the ground. Holly barked at the side of me, trying to dig with her claws. I looked down, surprised to find that my foot had gone. The top half of my green welly was still on the stump of the leg. I could see the teeth chewing on it before swallowing. The eyeless face, as big as a dustbin lid, the colour of vomit. The eyeless face, as big as a dustbin lid, the colour of vomit, emerged briefly to get a better hold on me, before yanking me down into its world. Terry, it's Don, Don shouted. He looked all around the farmhouse. There was no sign of his friend. Don stood frowning at the front door, wondering what to do. Then Don thought that Terry was probably up on the field that he'd been talking about. He didn't exactly know where that was, but he'd find it. Today was sunny. Once the warmth had burnt off the freezing fog, it had ended up lovely. Don whistled as he walked up the field. 
he began to hear a noise in the distance. Is that Holly barking? He knew the subtle differences in a dog's bark, and she was calling for help. Don rushed towards the noise. As he got to the next field, he could see the dead sheep, red and white, scattered around the field. Terry's digger was parked up at the right-hand corner of the field. Holly was near the digger, barking wildly at what looked like a hole in the ground. That was A Dark Christmas Tale, written and read by Angela Blythe. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about further stories in this series or my other work, please go to www.angelablythe.com.